Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Shivani, and today on Raise the Line, I'm really happy to be joined by Alex Frohmeyer, who goes by Fro. Fro is the CEO and co-founder of Beam Dental, one of the country's fastest growing dental benefits providers that offers employers unique approach to coverage by incorporating dental hygiene behavior into policy pricing. The behavior is determined using artificial intelligence to interpret data gathered from the smart toothbrushes used by members. Beam also has a national network of dentists and is bringing other innovations to the employee benefits market. So Fro, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thanks for having me, man. Good to, good to be with you. Yeah, good to reconnect. And, you know, I know your story, your background, but I think for our audience's sake, can you tell us a bit more about how you got into this business to begin with? Yeah, a question I get a lot because the dental industry isn't the first one you usually think of for, you know, tech entrepreneurs to go into. And that's certainly been the case from my perspective as well. We're actually now happy that there are lots of people innovating in the dental industry, which wasn't true when we were first getting started. My co-founders and I actually met in engineering school. So we're all engineers by background, but we have a ton of family members in the dental field. My sister's a dentist. She ended up marrying a dentist who comes from a family of dentists himself. One of my co-founders, his mom's a dental hygienist, has been around her whole career. So he grew up in the dental office with her every day. And so we had some reasons, some influences early in our lives to actually kind of peek under the covers and look at what the dental industry was. And what we saw was a gigantic market. It's very fragmented and lacked a lot of innovation. The joke in the dental industry is that it's 10 years behind healthcare. And the joke in healthcare, I think, is that it's 10 years behind everything else. And so we saw strategically that there was an opportunity to bring technology and software and data into the dental industry, which we do through dental insurance specifically today, in order to build an industry that's more equitable, that's easier to use, that focuses on smart underwriting and an understanding of risk, and a fundamental focus on preventative care as well. That's what we do. That's awesome. We, we share some stuff in common already. My, my sister and her husband are dentists in Chicago, and we actually had them recently on the RaiseLine podcast as well, because we wanted to hear how the dental industry was changing as a result of COVID, which we'll, we'll get into in this interview. So I first came across Beam Dental, I think, when you guys had released your smart toothbrush, and I'd covered it for MedGadget back when I was writing for that medical technology blog. would love to hear kind of how the company has evolved. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the toothbrush was the first innovation, and then you got into the dental benefits. Yeah, that's exactly right. We, were, we launched the first connected toothbrush back in 2012, 2013 timeframe. And at the time, what we were most fascinated by, my co-founders and I, this is, is the, what we would now call digital health. But at the time, you know, there was a ton of really interesting activity brewing around the intersection of healthcare and tech, especially hardware. Fitbit was a very new company at the time, but they had really, I think, got wheels turning both us and lots of others around personalized health and how you could better diagnose, predict illnesses by just measuring the body. Uh, there was a whole movement that was around the measurement of your body. It was called quantified self. And we thought that was really interesting as the future of, of healthcare. To us, it was very clear that the more you could kind of measure about your daily activity and see those long trend lines, maybe even over decades, you could then predict that heart attack and you know that getting diabetes, et cetera, you could figure it out way earlier in life. You could see the trends. And, and so we thought there was an opportunity to bring that idea into the dental industry. And so the smart toothbrush was the way to do it. We had initially envisioned that the business would provide the technology, the hardware, the software, the data, and the analytics 
to then serve it to insurers who could then use that data to better predict who has good preventative care habits, who doesn't, who's more likely to get you know a cavity filled, therefore, in the next couple of years, who's totally like on the happy path toward great long-term dental health. And that was what we took to market. What we found is that the large insurers are not actually focused on innovation in the way that we hoped they would be. And so we pivoted or expanded the business's ambition to actually go into the insurance industry ourselves. And so we ended up building the entire infrastructure of our own insurance carrier to be able to do the entire customer journey. And so now the smart toothbrush the beam brush, as we call it, is getting ready to go into its third generation of hardware, which we're really excited about, and is still an integral part of the business's customer experience, even though it's now just one of many things that we do delivering an end-to-end insurance experience to our members. This is really fascinating. A couple of points on that. So around that time, I totally remember Fitbit was big at TedMed. I had done something at TedMed called the Smartphone Physical. Another guest we've had recently is Eric Topol, who, who I know you know. Legend. Myself and, yeah. yeah, totally. And that was a really fun conversation. But we're seeing people like like Inder Singh, who you may know, started the smart thermometer. And like he's all over this year because the thermometer with their data can be used to kind of look at where COVID may be uh, spiking. On the Beam toothbrush, how many people now have gotten a toothbrush? And like, could you give us a sense of like the size and scope of how much data you've collected, like what you can do with that data? I think our audience would really love to hear about that protectable asset that you've developed in the database. Yeah, so the the scales, you know, six figures numbers of users, and and from like a amalgamated data perspective, you know, I usually focus in on what the kind of net impact is to our business. And so when I think about that, it's usually in two pieces. One is we're developing the data that we get as an underwriting factor, so that way we can offer premium discounts to people and businesses who are exhibiting the most engaged preventative care habits over time which also makes for a stickier, higher retention experience as well, because it's a totally unique way to think about what I'm paying versus what I'm getting in the dental insurance equation. The second piece of it, which I think will be the more important piece on a go-forward basis, is leveraging that data to actually build new products and services. So I think one of the most interesting opportunities Beam has is how do we take that little healthful action every day, very simply brushing your teeth, something that nearly everyone's already doing, at least to some degree. And how do we activate it? How do we turn it into something that you have loyalty to or that you get credit for? So I hear, you know, the allegory would be, you know, now Fitbit and Apple Watch in many health insurance companies, wellness programs, but also, you know, think about credit card rewards programs. Every time you swipe, you're getting some cash back or you're getting some sort of prize or reward, or you're making progress toward it. Airline miles programs work on much the same levels of gamification there. So your loyalty to the airline earns you free seats, big upgrades, affinity deals, other rewards over time. We think there's a big opportunity to use the simple act of brushing your teeth, preventative dental hygiene, in a similar sort of way. And so that kind of mechanization or gamification of the data that we have, but also that we're getting from our user base will be used to create those affinity relationships and this idea that you can get paid to brush your teeth. You can get rewarded every every day when you're just simply standing in front of the mirror for two minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. I mean, what's an example of like the data? Like imagine how many times, how many brushes once, twice, three times a day after every meal, how long they're brushing, maybe, you know, where in their mouth. And then ideas around like flossing. My, my, my sister, as a dentist, I don't know, hopefully she won't listen to this podcast, but... <laughs> 
I think she knows that I don't floss regularly, which is a big issue, but do you guys have like a flossing thing in the works? I'm, I'm curious what other innovations are coming down the pipeline. There is some stuff coming that's certainly adjacent to the flossing space, if not there directly, but we do have a lot of like IP protection around connectivity in that zone. What your sister may have said, which is certainly, you know, kind of provable in the dental science space is that the value of flossing is like extreme. It is arguably like if you could pick, should a person floss every day or brush their teeth every day, you'd probably take flossing because of its oh, wow. kind of value from a gum disease perspective. But, you know, the real answer is both, right? That's what every dentist would say. What I think is fascinating, though, is, you know, as I look at the program, the, the idea of a dental wellness program on a go forward basis, we want to get everyone in the country, ideally, to the point that they're using a high quality electric toothbrush. They clean better. They remove plaque better for a larger population of people than manual brushes do. And they do so in a way that's a little bit safer as well, because manual brushing, and I'm one of these people, you tend to brush too hard and you can actually hurt your gum tissue in particular and get gum recession and other issues by using the manual brush. So we want to get everybody onto electric brushes. We want to get everybody credit for it by using the connectivity of the brush in order to do so. And then you got to get folks high quality oral care products in general. And so that might be specialty toothpaste. So think about brands that focus on folks with sensitive teeth and more kind of like clinical strength paste. It's about getting mouthwash and floss and other products that kind of fill out that oral care aisle at your local CVS or Walgreens, right? And being able to deliver it in a high quality way that's actually giving people convenience, ease of use, low friction, and doing so in a way that's gamified and kind of fun, at least as fun as you can make brushing your teeth every day. The core data that we're using to drive those aspects, though, are what you mentioned. It's the behavior. It's when and how long you're using the brush and then the quality of your brushing, which is to give you a sense of, like, are you covering all the teeth, insides and outsides of the teeth, et cetera. So that's kind of the basic intelligence that we're embedding into the program over time. That's, again, super fascinating. So switching gears to COVID, right? This is the reason we launched this podcast is how do we increase healthcare capacity in the age of COVID and beyond? You know, how has COVID affected Beam's business and what are some of the lasting changes you think will happen to both the healthcare system and then, you know, obviously within that is dental care as a result of COVID? Great question. And, you know, the dental industry has gone through a lot this year. You know, there was a three-month period, basically, March, April, May, where most dental offices were either partially or completely shut down. So, you know, from our perspective, it's been a tough year. And, you know, we have a lot of dentist partners, providers all over the country that are in-network providers that have certainly suffered. And, you know, I know my sister and brother-in-law, their practice was shut down for a long period of time as well and back up and running, thankfully, now. But, you know, I think the lasting effect is actually going to be really interesting. I think one of the things we've learned for sure is how much distribution matters. It's actually still amazing that six plus months after COVID became the only story in the news, it's still too difficult to get a test, which is wild considering the amount of money we spend as a country on our healthcare system and what should have been a place where the healthcare system and the distribution system would have shined. You would have thought it would have been a way to get tests on every corner, every pub, you know, every YMCA, every public meeting space in the country would have rapid tests and volunteer army of healthcare workers ready and armed to help make sure everybody could have low cost or free access to testing at any time. And it's still kind of tricky to get a test today. And I think that's actually a signal that we still haven't nailed true distribution and we still haven't nailed access to care. 
as a country. When I think about how that applies to the dental industry, I think that the industry is going to be stronger and better for it in the future because the PPE and the best practices that were tough for the mom and pop dentist to deliver to their patients is now a non-negotiable. It now has to be true. So I think the quality of care is going to be better. I also think the digitization of the tools that dentists use, some of which is Beam's insurance platform, but it's also the ability to schedule and check in for appointments in a seamless way, you know, no more sitting there for 45 minutes in the, you know, looking at magazines in the waiting room, right? Because you have to be more efficient and structured now because you can't have that many people in a cramped space. And so dental offices are getting smarter about how they schedule and invite patients into their environments. And, you know, I think interoperability is going to be another key component of this whole thing. We have to be sharing data better. We have to be actually understanding the patient journey. When I have a patient that we're insuring at Beam go to dentist A and then dentist B, we can see that happening, but those two dentists can't see that happening. And that connectivity just has to be true for the kind of clinical component of the industry on a go-forward basis. Hmm. That's very interesting. I mean, as you're some of those are obviously very consistent with other areas of healthcare. You know, one thing that has been happening, and I think COVID accelerated some of this, is telehealth, obviously, but also the like the direct to consumer, whether that's telehealth or it's Walmart scaling out dental clinics, direct to consumer companies like Hims, Hers, Row, et cetera. I'd love to hear your take, COVID or not, on concepts like teledentistry, teledental care, as well as direct to consumer dental care, which we've seen with companies like you know, Smile Direct Club or, you know, Invisalign, which a lot of dentists haven't been the biggest fan of because I think uh, it turns, you know, patients into their own orthodontists in some extent. So what are your thoughts on these trends? And as you imagine, COVID's catalyzed some of them, but as a dental insurer, what do you think? Well, it's such an interesting topic. You know, as we touched on it a few questions ago, the real big long-term vision of our business, even before we started Beam was, the personalization, the quantified self, the personalization of healthcare and the more tailored healthcare experience that people have been asking for for a long time. And so now we're in a place where you're starting to see some of it come true. It's tools like Fitbit and tools like the Beam Brush that are out there, but it's also prescription delivery that's now happening on demand. It's now telehealth platforms that are exploding in popularity and usage. It's the mobile phone as your doctor. And, you know, there's we're still so far away from broad clinical applications to many components, but you can see it happening, right? More and more features, more and more use cases are emerging. COVID has brought even more use cases and reasons to participate in that world this year. You know, we think in the dental space that teledentistry is super interesting. We think what Beam's already doing with the home delivery of high quality dental care goods right to our insured members' doors helping convert more people to electric toothbrushes, helping get people the products they need to have good dental hygiene over time, you know, is super scalable and exciting because it's going to continue to happen more and more. And dental is further interesting to me because the equation in healthcare to really deliver someone an outcome in healthcare has so many variables attached to it, genetic and behavioral and otherwise environmental. In dental, it's a much more straightforward contract. I'm oversimplifying here, but if you have phenomenal dental hygiene, which Beam can help enable for one of our customers, you have a pretty good fighting chance at not needing seven root canals next time you go to the doctor, right? And 
because of that, our focus on committing to our own members preventative care and then delivering them the tools and technology to be able to do so, we think is a great head start. And then, yes, as the industry continues to digitize, people are still going to need an expert in the mouth helping diagnose and understand and work on the teeth from a physical perspective over time. That's never going away. But what we will get better and better at is when to come in for the dental appointment, if you need to come in for a dental appointment, what you're going to get when you receive there from a services or what you're going to receive from a services perspective when you go there. There's so much more intelligence that we can bring into the market. Some of that will be influenced by us as a carrier, as an insurer. Some of it will be driven by the member just demanding more. And some of it will be driven by the providers getting more sophisticated on, you know, they have X amount of seat time and they want to optimize what patient they're putting in that seed based on the care that needs to be delivered and the outcomes that they're trying to create for their patients. That is really, really interesting and fascinating. And what we're seeing across other types of insurance companies, I think car insurance, you know, Geico and Allstate, very interesting. Obviously, they had equivalents to what you've been pioneering at Beam in that like you put this device that lets them understand your driving behavior, they'll reduce your premium, right? Because they know you're a safe driver, a relatively safe driver, so you're going to pay less for your insurance premiums. They're doing that with Beam. One other thing that we've heard from insurers this year is that because people haven't been driving as much because of COVID, because health insurers also have done this because people haven't been accessing healthcare as much because of COVID, they've done some rebates on premiums and been able to do some more innovation too around that. How is dental insurance beam or otherwise adjusted to this? Is it similar? Yeah, so it, it is actually, and you're right, the telematics industry that started and is still primarily featured as an auto insurance component to their plan designs and how they think about underwriting the risk of a customer is very similar to what we do at beam with the brush, but also just our actually our overall underwriting methodology which is an AI or machine learning driven approach to sussing out risk and personalizing it and tailoring it. And, you know, what I would say from a management of COVID perspective is that in the dental industry, what we're doing and what I think most carriers are doing is helping kind of manage folks' plans because a lot of people have missed their regularly scheduled cleaning this year because they just haven't been able to get to the dentist or they're not comfortable going, which is reasonable. And so there's a lot of elective dental work that hasn't been getting done. And so what many carriers are doing, Beam included, is extending contract periods, giving people extra credit against deductibles, opening up the annual maximum of the plan to accommodate the catch-up of those elective procedures. A lot of them are screenings, checkups, preventative care, and just making it easier and easier to access that next appointment with the dentist. So we've done a lot of work to just be there for our core customer, right? So like if you can't pay your premium this month because things are difficult, we set up a forbearance program and that's been actually really smooth and really successful because it's helping us buoy our brand and also just, again, be there, be supportive of our, our customers who have already entrusted us. And so we have to pay that back and this is a great time to do so. And, and then second is just enable end members to receive the care that they need. I think this really accentuates why years ago we started investing in the smart toothbrush, the subscription of dental care, toothpaste, floss, replacement heads for the brush. In a moment like 2020, it now seems so obvious that, well, yeah, we just ship it right to your door and you still have access to everything. And But at the time, you know, of course, we didn't have global pandemics on our mind. We were just trying to build a more efficient way to get 
high quality dental care goods in the hands of all of our members. And so it's in some ways really inspiring to see that in 2020, our business model is resilient to and kind of complements almost the world that's changed so much in front of us. That's fascinating. That's it's really fortuitous and also good that, that you guys are there for your members in that way. I know we're coming up in time. So my last question is, what advice would you give to our audience, which is current and future healthcare professionals? We work with a lot of dental schools, like University of the Pacific Dental School, as one example. What advice would you give to them about meeting the challenges of COVID and then moving forward the healthcare system as a whole? I think they're, you know, they're coupled in this, one and the same from my perspective, which is about thinking long term and caring about innovation and advancement and the interoperability of of healthcare full stop. And what I mean by that is, you know, I remember spending actually a lot of time when I was first getting started, uh, I was just finishing university in the engineering school and was going to my local university dental school, actually meeting students and professors and actually just trying to learn more about the industry because I was learning a lot through my sister at the time, but I, you know, just to increase the sample size, I was spending a lot of time in the dental school. And at the time, I felt like such an oddball. I was an engineer that was trying to innovate in the dental industry. And here were a bunch of people working on being career dentists that didn't have any notion whatsoever of how they might innovate or change the industry. They wanted to fit into the industry, not change it completely. And so my greatest wish for someone going through the school today or in the early stage of their career, no matter what part of healthcare you're in, is, you know, aspire to be a disruptor, even if it's inside the walls of a big health system or inside the walls of your own dental practice or one that you join, because we're way past time on needing to innovate and disrupt and totally reformat how the healthcare system works. And if COVID was not the obvious alarm bell it is now, right? Like, you know, there's no going back on the idea that we just aren't there yet on distribution, access to care, how we pay for care, and the quality of that care. And it requires people on the outside, like an engineer that's trying to innovate inside the dental space. But it also requires folks on the inside to push for better data, better understanding, better technologies, new ideas, and big risk-taking, big, bold, ambitious risk-taking. So I hope there are, and I think there are actually a lot more people that are that are going into these fields, trying to change them from day one. And then the key is to think long-term, right? You can't become jaded by the inertia of today's fire and the pandemic in front of us, et cetera. If you use that 20 or 25-year lens, you can actually get a lot done. That's a really great advice. That's the first time we've heard that advice, I think, on this podcast. So congratulations on all that you've accomplished. And I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Thanks a lot, man. Awesome. And with that, I'm Shiv Gulani. Thank you to our audience for checking out today's show. And remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise a line since we're all in this together. Take care. For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast.